Hey everyone, do you love movies? Do you like betting? If you do, then Box Office Bets is the podcast for you. With Tom Cunningham and myself, Brian Ortega, we'll guide you through Oscar season with our breakdown of each Oscar contender and give you our projections based on what the betting market is saying about each Oscar race. Make sure to check us out every week as we focus on a specific movie and break down its best chances to win right here on Box Office Bets. Hey everybody, welcome back to Concierge Confidential. I'm your host, Brian Ortega, and we're getting ready for another week here on Concierge Confidential. So, it is actually a very big week coming up. It is Cinco de Mayo weekend, which is one of the biggest weekends in Las Vegas, just with uh, events, the weather's fantastic, it's sort of the getting in the swing of summer, and uh, yeah, it's really a, really a fantastic weekend. So, uh, I'm really excited to sort of preview all of that with you in our Cinco de Mayo episode, kind of outlining what's going to be going on in town and things that you should expect if you ever come in the future for Cinco de Mayo, and um yeah, I also wanted to throw in a couple little things that I thought of over the weekend, which was who are the best guests and who are the most difficult guests, which is always kind of fun just to sort of spitball and talk about. Obviously, these are very um, opinionated thoughts uh, on me. Uh, they're sort of generalistic as well, which usually you don't want to, but uh, I have worked in uh, the hospitality industry for about 10 years, about four of them as a concierge, the other couple as a tour guide, and... Honestly, I think I am, I'm okay with my uh, opinions on this particular fact. So uh, hopefully you enjoy today's pod. We're going to be talking about Cinco de Mayo, what's going on, and also who I think are the best and maybe the most difficult guests um, in that come to Las Vegas. So hopefully you guys enjoy, and we're coming up next. All right, everybody, so welcome back to Concierge Confidential. So um, the thing that I did over the weekend that I want you guys to know about um, is I went to a place called Cathedral, which is over at the Aria, which had its grand opening last weekend, and uh, I was lucky enough to attend. So um, just kind of a little tease before we kind of get going here, I will be doing my review of that particular event uh, on... I want to say Thursday or Friday, make sure you tune in on the Last Night in Vegas part of this week's podcast, and uh, the video should also be up sometime during the middle of the week as well. So I might move it up to maybe Thursday uh, just so you know I get it to you guys a little bit quicker right before the weekend, but uh, yeah, it was uh, really fun, and I'm really excited that uh, I was able to go, and I want to thank Elliot Aylman, who uh, was a nightclub host and is still a nightclub host for Tau Group uh, for the invitation. So again, thank you so much, Elliot. Really appreciate it. So, And if you guys are looking to go out in Las Vegas for day clubs or nightclubs, make sure you reach out to Elliot Aylman, uh, where you can find him on Instagram, or you can find him um, on any Hakkasan pages. So... Anyways, let's jump into it. So um, we're going to be talking about Cinco de Mayo weekend, which is honestly one of the most exciting weekends throughout the year, whether it be you're coming to Vegas for pool parties, you're coming to Vegas for you know the kickoff of summer, even though that's typically like, what is it, like Memorial Day? No, that's, that's, no, that's November. Labor Day is typically the big one. But really, to me, Cinco de Mayo is the first big summer holiday of the year, which is one of those fun holidays that for those of you that are international listeners from like the UK or Australia or any of the other places that I found out that we're now in Bosnia is that Cinco de Mayo is basically the 5th of May. Uh, so typically it's a big party weekend, uh, commonly miscon mislabeled as Mexican Independence Day. It is not. Honestly, like we've said this before, Cinco de Mayo is probably celebrated more in America than any 
than actually me- in Mexico. So anyways, it's now a holiday. It's sort of an unofficial holiday for a lot of people, but it's a really big holiday for Las Vegas. So we always have really, really big events here. We do usually have a very large Hispanic population that will travel during that time of the year to Las Vegas, not because of the holiday, but because typically we have a lot of our like Latin-based uh, entertainment and a lot of our boxing uh, takes place on two major weekends throughout the year, and that's Cinco de Mayo weekend and September 15, uh, 16th, uh, which is actually Mexican Independence Day weekend. So uh, anyway, so let's jump into some of the events that are going to be going on. So a couple of things that you need to know coming into town this year. Uh, Saturday is when we celebrate Cinco de Mayo because it's the weekend, and that's typically also the kickoff of you know the summer pool party season, and also two major sporting events are going on the same day, which typically happens most of the year. So we do have the Kentucky Derby, which is raced the first Saturday in May every single year. And it's a huge betting weekend, even though people really can bet on it anywhere. But people want to come to Vegas if they can't go to the actual Derby itself. So sort of like the Super Bowl, but with much more pageantry and a lot more races throughout the day. Uh, the other the other big event is the Canelo Alvarez fight. Honestly, um, Canelo Alvarez and his team typically carve out uh, these two these two weekends for whenever they want to have a big fight. So um, I believe it's going to be Canelo Alvarez versus... Still looking. Versus Ryder. I don't even know who that is. John Ryder. Um, does it matter? No. It just matters that Canelo is going to be fighting this weekend. So um, anyways, that's always a big event is the big boxing. And um, I always want to do an episode that's specifically about boxing. Boxing nights, which used to be synonymous with just like the biggest nights in Las Vegas history. Just think of all like the uh, all of the Mike Tyson fights in the 90s. And then you also had um, Floyd Mayweather fighting. You also had, of course... Uh, Oscar De La Hoya when he was at the height of his powers and just all the heavyweights and middleweights that would fight for the world champion. Really, it's not really a big, it's still a big deal, but we don't have as many of them anymore, which kind of sucks. But um, the boxing weekends were really fantastic. But this is always a big event. Whenever Canelo Alvarez fights, he's still one of the most bankable boxing figures in the world. And typically he will fight on Cinco de Mayo weekend and Mexican Independence Day weekend as well. So two times a year typically, uh, which usually bring in gigantic gates if you're able to do it. So uh, a couple notes about if you're wanting to watch any of the boxing. So I just want you to understand coming into town. A big thing back in the day that people always used to be able to rely on was closed circuit feeds where you're able to watch the boxing. The problem is, is that a lot of times we don't put up those feeds anymore just because they will not put up a feed if the fight does not sell out. So that was always kind of like an old rule is that they have to sell out the fight for you to actually be able to put together these closed circuits. And really, we would have to sell the fight out basically when they go on sale. Um, if it ends up selling out you know, the night of or the week of, we can't put together a room that is actually going to be able to accommodate that many people. So typically, uh, we have to have this far in advance. So just know, if you're coming to Vegas, you're probably not going to be able to find a watch party everywhere. But... I have found a place which is actually fantastic and I think would be great for if you're coming to Vegas and you want to watch the fight. If you go over to Circa, which is downtown, and they will be having a watch party, which is going to be taking place outside at their stadium swim, which is going to usually take place uh, usually early to late evening, typically starting about 4 o'clock. So um, I did look up the pricing. So typically the pricing is going to range between you know 50 and 80 bucks, and that's going to usually just get you into the, to the venue. 
So uh, let's actually just kind of go in and, and take a look here. All right, so looking at the pricing for the Canelo versus Ryder uh, event over at Circa, uh, they will be showing the Kentucky Derby also during the daytime, uh, which that looks like pricing for the full day is going to be $40. So that's just $40 gets you in the door, and you'll have the ticket from 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night. But if you're looking to do it just for the Canelo Alvarez and Ryder fight, which, again, these are things that you can do, uh, you can dress up for. Typically, I wouldn't recommend getting dressed up too much because you are at a pool. So just keep that in mind. But it looks like their day beds are running for about $500 and then going up from there. So it's a $500 minimum spend all the way up until, you know, you get to the cabanas, which are going for $1,500, um, all the way up to, you know, the owner suite, which is going to be, you know, $2,500 for uh, the evening. So um, it looks like they are sold out for the most of the, most of the daytime for most of their day beds, couches, and all that other good stuff. But everything else is going to be going for, you know, much more expensive starting at 5 o'clock. So it'll be a separate price for the rest of the evening so remember that's going on over at circa if you're trying to watch the canelo alvarez versus Ryder uh, fight and that's for the super middleweight championship of the world so keep that in mind uh, but my favorite thing that's going on that day will be the kentucky derby uh, the kentucky derby is probably one of my favorite events throughout the year just because it sort of mashes together fashion sports society all in one place. So uh, I love the Kentucky Derby. One of my dreams is actually to be able to to the Kentucky Derby, hopefully with my, you know, my mom and my dad. Uh, just know that if you're going to bet on the Kentucky Derby, this is one of the only times that Circa uh, actually allows for Derby racing. And sometimes they actually have to end up doing it sort of like a futures bet instead of the actual paramutuals, uh, which for those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, I know this sounds like Chinese, but if you're somebody who wants to bet on one of the horses to win all you have to do is walk up to uh, walk up to where they're actually having paramutual betting usually any sports book will have it that has horse racing that goes on and you can just say i want to bet the number five horse in the 11th race let's just say it's the 11th race for the derby at churchill downs and then you can place your bet um, typically it, i think it's a two to five dollar two to five dollar minimum and then it can go up the mer obviously so you just walk up you say i want to bet the five horse in the let's just say 11th race at churchill downs most of the tellers will know you mean the kentucky derby and they will make sure to help you out along the way so those are the two giant events going on uh this weekend that you should keep in mind it is a very busy weekend especially in the future if you're coming to vegas this is certainly a very expensive week if you're going to be staying in our hotels just because we work on dynamic pricing. So we know when to pop the price up throughout the year. So anyways, I wanted to move on to some of the pool parties. So the pool parties are probably the most exciting thing, you know, about the summertime in Vegas why people come to town because it's hot. Who wants to be outside in 110 degree weather? Well, if you can take off most of your clothes and then jump into the pool, it doesn't matter. And hopefully there's a DJ going on at the same time. So uh, I think I'll just run down some of the list of some of my favorite pool parties that I would love to sort of recommend to you. And again, what is a pool party and how is it different than your regular pool? So your regular pool, typically, if you are staying at that hotel, let's just say the MGM Grand, because they have a good example of both. MGM Grand has their... Uh, MGM pool complex, which is huge. If you're staying at the hotel, you get priority access where it is also complimentary. Not really, you kind of paid for it, to get into that pool. So if you're staying at the hotel, you get priority access. So no big deal. Usually it's for all ages. Everybody can go into the regular pool. So that's a regular pool. When you're getting into the pool parties, totally different stories. So 
Even if you're staying, for example, at MGM Grand and you're here on like a Saturday and you want to go to Wet Republic, which Wet Republic is their day club. Um, it's not even an ultra pool. It's a day club. It's, you know, very high end, uh, very high energy. And, uh, you know, it can be the prices can be kind of absorbent. So uh, typically there is a minimum for who goes in. Uh, how did I say that? Um, typically there is a cover charge for those who go in. Typically men have to pay between $50, $100. I've seen it sometimes to actually get into the pool. And then if you're looking for women, women, it typically ranges from like free uh, to like maybe 20, 25 bucks. So uh, if they're honestly, if they're charging women at 20 to $30 a ticket, uh, that's because it is extremely busy that weekend because typically women tend not to pay to have to get into nightclubs. And ladies, you should not be paying to get into nightclubs in general, um, especially if you're this is where the rules are very different for women and men in Las Vegas, that if you are a group of women or you just, you know, one or two gals that are just coming to Vegas and you want to go to a day club, certainly reach out to any of the nightclub hosts, the day club hosts. So you want to be put on the guest list. Boom, you're on the guest list, which is going to be a mile long, especially if it's later in the weekend, because every other girl had the same idea. But it's the thing is, is that you don't have to pay if you're in the guest list line, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, just note that even if you are male and on a guest list, there typically is a what we like to call the ratio rule. So to, typically, it's usually one to one, and that's like very generous. Uh, a lot of times, if you're going to be going with you know a mixed group, it usually has to be two to one is a more realistic uh, number of how to get into a, a day club if you're a guy on the guest list. Um, a lot of times, you know, it sometimes has to be like three or four to one if it's going to be four women and one man. That's just the way it works. People always sort of freak out and say, you know, that's not fair. It's not fair. Well, go to some place that maybe it is fair. It's just not fair here. So just sort of deal with it. So uh, that's typically like a good example is Wet Republic. They do have a cover charge if you are male. And if you are a lady and you get there late, you know, it's super busy. You might have to pay a cover charge as well. Uh, they do also have the same uh, idea in terms of day club, uh, sorry, day beds, cabanas, uh, lily pads is another thing. Um, if you do get any of those, that's also going to be table minimums. So let's just say the minimum is a thousand dollars. You will be charged ahead of time a thousand dollars, and then you are going to have to hit that number. Um, it is actually a little bit different than charging that than uh, like a day club than over at a, um, a regular pool. So they don't charge you right away. Sometimes they'll make you put like a deposit down. Pretty normal. But just note that when it says the minimum spend is $1,000, and I've said this on a couple other pods before, it's $1,000. But then you have to add in the sales tax, which is typically, I believe, 8.26 or something around that nature. Then you also have to add in the auto gratuity, which it doesn't matter if they did a bad job or not. You are definitely paying the 22% which that's the number, 22% auto grat on top of that. So you have the tax, sorry, the sales tax, the auto gratuity, and then sometimes there is even an extra fee on top of that, which is like a venue fee or the entertainment tax. So by the end of your $1,000 spend, let's just say you spent exactly $1,000, you're probably going to be end up spending between, you know, thirteen and $1,400 for this particular table. So don't forget the taxes. This is America after all. So uh, again, that's just sort of the realities. The good things about this is that you usually have a host or somebody that will um, be in contact with you. When you get to the pool itself, you'll get into the tables line. The security will come up. They'll get your list. A lot of times your host will come and find you. They'll get you, walk you in, take you to the table, go past security, all the good stuff. And then you get your own cocktail waitress, which when I, when I say these are just cocktail waitresses, 
These have to be some of the most beautiful women in the world. Just know that these are women who actually will fly across the country just to work as a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas. And it's really sort of like sort of not belittling to just call them a cocktail waitress. They're really just they're really models that also um, provide hospitality. They also provide you know good service most of the time. Um, I have a little bit of a. Little stories about uh, cocktail waitresses at day clubs. And I don't know. Maybe it's because usually when we go, it was comped. So we would just say, like, leave us alone. I wouldn't say leave us alone. It's like we're just very low. We're low maintenance. You can, like, just not worry about us at all. Uh, but a lot of times, that's what they do. Uh, but very good gig. If you come to Las Vegas and parlay that into something else, a lot of people beca- end up becoming uh, models. A lot of them end up on reality shows just because, again, they're beautiful people. But anyways, so I'll go down the list. So I'll go down the list of some of my favorites. So a couple of the ones that are always on the top of my list in terms of my favorite day clubs. Uh, I would actually say that Encore Beach always has to be at the top. Encore Beach is sort of the class of the pool party scene they always have some of the best djs although they've kind of been really leaning more into sort of the edm realm people like black coffee um they do typically have diplo but he'll come in and out every once in a while uh the chain smokers is really their big sort of name at uh, the on at encore beach club and they were really really hot back when i was a uh, concierge but yeah encore beach club will always rank very very high on the list of best day clubs they just have a really good layout it's really perfect it's sort of the perfect size they have uh, table games, which are really, really great, but be careful if you spent play table games over at Encore Beach, because then you do have to take the chips back inside to actually get cashed out. So a little bit of an inconvenience, but such is life. But anyway, so that's Encore Beach. I would also rank uh, Marquee Day Club is also really, really great. Uh, they've always been around for a very, very long time. Really great views of the city, which, I mean, honestly, you're not going to be looking at the views at all. They also have outdoor table gaming, which is really great. They have really cool, like, sort of pool layouts. Uh, The space might be a little bit small for some people, but they have really, really great cabanas. And also, if you want sort of these cool, like, like lily pad things or day beds, uh, they're actually in a really, really great location. So... I would also recommend Marquee Day Club is a really, really great option as well. It's very girly, very fun, and usually a really good mix of men and women. That's always really, really nice. Um, Same thing with Encore Beach. Very beautiful people. Really good mix of men and women. A lot of women actually end up going over to Encore Beach because, you know, it's a place to be. Another one that's actually quite new um, is Tao Beach. I would highly recommend Tao Beach, especially if you want some of the, uh, like, some of the more, like, Hip-hop artists, they had Nelly the la- uh, last weekend, uh, which that was really cool. Um, I was actually watching it on Elliot's story, which was fantastic. Uh, it gets, you know, pretty packed just because most of them do. But I would say that town was a really great option, especially if you want something that's a little bit new and a little bit different. But when I say different, really, it's just because it's, it's, it's again, like I said, new. Uh, and it's sort of a different concept. So I really enjoy that place. Um, I would highly recommend Tao Beach. And again, if you're going to be going to any of the Tao group places like Marquee Day Club or if you're going over to Tao Beach, highly recommend reaching out to Elliot on Instagram, Elliot Aylman, um, where you can actually, you know, reach out, DM him and talk to him about, you know, bottle service, uh, day beds, all that good stuff. He's one of the best people, you know, to to contact or to talk with just because, you know, he can be very upfront with, you know, what you need and is really just delivers absolutely fantastic service. So, uh, that's Elliot. So anyways, Tao Beach, really great option. Um, another place, which, you know, you should probably know about by now is what Republic, what Republic is located at MGM grand. Uh, honestly, between Encore Beach and what Republic, they have really the most beautiful cocktail waitresses in the entire world, I would say. Uh, but, 
War Republic can kind of feel somewhat like a just a box because really it was one of the first ones. Is really that it? But a lot of times it's a lot of guys, a lot of dudes at uh, War Republic. Just you know, in, in the nature of where it's at. Uh, but it's a really good space. They're really known for their champagne showers. It's a huge thing. Uh, a little bit of a walk from the main hotel to Wet Republic, but such is life. But uh, yeah, um, they all kind of sort of range in the same pricing in terms of day beds and cabanas. Typically, your day beds are going to run between, depending on a busy weekend, between fifteen and twenty five hundred. That typically only fits about four people into one day bed. They typically don't let you do take more people. Maybe if it's one person over, and they just sort of squeak in, but usually four people max for a day bed. Uh, if you're looking for a cabana, cabanas can range, bet- range between three and 6,000, just depending on location to the main DJ and a couple other factors uh, included in as well. So uh, those are a couple of the options. Uh, one that I missed was Dre's. I'm not a huge fan of Dre's because it's a little bit too much like rap and hip hop for me, but it's really, really popular. People always ask me about it. But again, it's just maybe not my scene. But if you want, it's a beautiful club, indoor, outdoor, which is really, really, really pretty. And it overlooks the Las Vegas Strip. It's also really cool. Uh, but everybody kind of always talks about it. It's just not my jam. It's not my thing. So uh, anyway, so I just wanted to run down the pool parties for you just because it is a very big weekend for them. If you're going to be booking these things, typically we've kind of missed the boat in terms of like the sweet spot, which is about two weeks out. But even a week out is a good time to sort of reach out and see what pricing is like four weekends. This is in general. Uh, typically, you want to reach out for a day bed or, or a cabana maybe two weeks in advance. You don't want to go too far in advance. You don't want to be booking out like two months. That's a, that's kind of a lot for the, the host. And a lot of times, we don't have the listing for who's going to be performing till the next month. So typically, three weeks in advance is good to sort of get the ball rolling. Two weeks is also good. A week is, you know, a little bit close, but... That's good for the, the 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 host because they know exactly you know how many people they have to fill and somewhat. But two weeks is good for you. I would say two to three weeks is good for the guest because that's typically when the pricing, especially if it's not super busy at the time, is some be some of your better pricing. So again, just keep that in mind for some of the better places to uh, look for for uh, pool parties this weekend. So, all right. We've talked about Cinco de Mayo, um, so now uh, my, I want to f- kind of finish this pod with uh, sort of some of my favorite things about, you know, not stereotyping, but um, our guests that can be sometimes difficult and sometimes fantastic. So I'll be jumping into the who's the best and who's the most difficult guests in Las Vegas. That'll be coming up next. Hey everybody, this is Brian Ortega from Concierge Confidential. Just letting you know about a new podcast that we have out. It's called Last Night in Vegas with me, Brian Ortega. Hopefully you're able to listen to it. Um, It'll be periodically put out throughout the week. And usually if I go out in the evening, you'll probably be hearing a podcast about how that night went. So make sure to check out our new podcast, Last Night in Vegas, presented by Neon Smoke Productions. All right, everybody, so we are back, and we're going to be doing my fun little little bit of the end of the pod here, and who are the best and who are the most difficult guests to work with? So I will start off on the positive note. Who are the best guests to deal with in terms of, let's just say, nationality and you know location in the world? So some of the best guests to me, and again, this is over time of you know dealing with guests in sort of a business sense and you know hospitality, I have to say Australians 
and anybody from the United Kingdom or Ireland are absolutely fantastic. And again, throw New Zealand in there as well. Um, they're really, really fantastic. Anybody from like Australia, New Zealand, England, uh, Scotland, Ireland are just really, really great. They just have really a great attitude when they go on vacation. They know they're on vacation. They're typically very excited to be there. And it's just, they're just easy to work with. And that's the thing is that they're very understanding. They are really, they, they know how to communicate when they're maybe sometimes upset but they don't let things sort of ruin their entire vacation, which a lot of times there are certain, and again, this is person by person, uh, can be a little bit difficult. But Australians and English people tend to just kind of go with the flow, which is great. And they always want to sort of do things. They're always sort of up to try new things, which is really, really fun. Um, I've never really met an Australian who wasn't excited to try something new. Um, and they're just a wide-ranging view of things they love to do. They love to travel. Uh, they love to go, you know, on tours. They love to eat. They love to try new things. And as a concierge, that was absolutely fantastic because I was able to sort of throw things at the wall and they were typically very, you know, easy to deal with. And the thing is, is that also uh, didn't find a lot of vegans or vegetarians from Australia or England, which was quite nice. Uh, vegans and vegetarians, obviously, uh, sometimes, you know, it's a choice uh, or you just, you know, you choose not to. Uh, you know, partake and completely fine. But it does, you know, make our job a little bit harder in terms of if you want something fine dining and you're a vegan or vegetarian, it might make it a little bit harder. Honestly, nowadays it's not as hard just because most places have a vegan and vegetarian option. By the way, gluten free, oh my God, you guys are the worst. Not gonna lie. Not that you guys are the worst, but it is difficult to find the gluten free options in Las Vegas. But it's an extra challenge and we're up for it. So, some of my favorite guests, English. And Australian. Um, also, I have to say, largest amount spent by anybody with me ever was an English person from London. And uh, it was actually a woman, which is always surprises people for some silly reason. Uh, but usually when people think like spending a lot of money in Vegas, you think like the guys are going to be spending all this money, spending it on, you know, their wife or whatever. Nope. It was a wonderful lady who wanted to have a fantastic vacation with her, her husband, and her two kids, which is really great. And I think they also had like an au pair or a nanny that came on the travel with them, which also added to the price as well. So uh, if you would like to know how much she spent, um, it was over the course of like a week of things. And they walked up and they said, we want to do a tour every single day that we're here. And I was like, awesome. So they did buy show tickets, all this other good stuff. And she ended up spending, and this was actually after I told her, you want to do a tour every day? I wrote everything down. I said, you know what? This is going to take a while. Why don't you just leave your credit card with me? And I gave her a price for mostly everything. And she was staying at the Four Seasons. I always remember this. And I said, okay, just go to dinner. And I'll have this all taken care of. I'll email to you, and you'll all be set. It took me one hour to actually put together this entire itinerary. So pretty good if I, to, if I do say so myself. And when this happened, so I had to actually run her credit card for a for show tickets and it kept kind of coming back declined, which it shouldn't have because she had a platinum American Express card and that typically does not happen. But a lot of times when you're traveling international, sometimes it'll put a stop on it and it's just sort of not great. So uh, I had to remember the security code at that point, which is, you know, it's four numbers for American Express. So I had everything set up and we're all using the same card, just one card. So I said, leave me the card and, or leave me the, 
leave me the card information. I'll get everything set up for you. Send the email. Good to go. Give her my card. We're good to go. Finally go to book the Maverick helicopter tour. Fantastic tour company, by the way. And I forgot the security code. The, sec the security code. I forgot to write it down, which you're not supposed to write these things down, by the way. So I forgot to sort of input it on some of these other things. And I just could not remember. Could not remember the security code. Could not do it. And I just memorized. I have to say, I, I, I don't remember, but I memorized it. And I guessed it, and then boom, it went through, and I was so excited. I booked all this stuff. It was right before I went home. So she ended up spending just around $15,000 for her one trip with just tours with me in Las Vegas, which was absolutely great. Um, I'm so happy that she you know, hopefully had a great time. I had no emails or calls about her missing a tour, which is one of the biggest things that I always used to freak out about, but it was great. So uh, she also was not even staying at my property at MGM. She was staying at the wonderful Four Seasons over near Mandalay Bay. So really great. So I do want to move on to who was the most difficult. So people always like to know who are the most difficult guests to deal with. And it was by far and away a very easy answer for me. This will change depending on who you are because sometimes it's easier, if, especially if it's your nationality, to work with your nationality. But I do have to say in the 10 years in hospitality, whether it was a tour guide, a ticket seller, or a uh, concierge, it's just always the thing. Brazilians... And sometimes Argentinians were the hardest or di most difficult guests to help in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, a lot of it could be the language barrier, which a lot of Brazilians uh, tend not to speak English. Um, just depending on the country, it just, you know, again, this is a generality. But depending on the country, some countries speak English better than others. You wouldn't expect uh, Brazil or Argentina to or Argentina, Argentina to speak a lot of English just because uh, they tend to speak Portuguese and Spanish, obviously, and uh, tend not to, you know, have to learn English in terms of, you know, just like me. I, don't, I only speak one language, so I don't really expect other countries to learn those languages either. So completely get it. Uh, I do have to say that I do try, and this is what sort of something I've picked up as, you know, working in hospitality, that when you give an effort to try to speak another language, for the very, you know, minimum, is very helpful. Just to try to, you know, say hello, hi, thank you, say, you know, I don't speak English, is there always a good one too. Uh, but just being able to try to communicate in English or any language. So like if I go to like say Japan or China, if I'm able to say ni hao ma or ni hao, uh, that's Chinese, um, it is an effort to try to do your best, to be respectful of their culture. Because I wouldn't expect somebody from Brazil to speak English. But there is, you know, a way that Brazilians would come at you a lot. Um, and even I'm, I'm Mexican. And honestly, um, I had a tr tough time dealing with Mexican guests. Um, and, it not, and it had to be with, I would say, the language thing. Because they were sort of expecting me to speak Spanish. Which you know, is tough. I always sort of struggle with that not being, and I was kind of, um, I'm disappointed that I never learned how to speak Spanish, which is all, you know, it's mostly my fault. Uh, but I would hope that like my, you know, my nieces and nephews, if they're listening to this, to learn Spanish because it's, it's very helpful. I do have to say it's very helpful knowing two languages, especially just in, in life in general. But I would have really liked to know two languages because it makes life easier. But uh, Brazilians, they would speak two languages. They usually spoke Portuguese and Spanish because you would need to because you're in around a lot of Spanish countries. 
So yeah, I get it. But there's a, just a way that Brazilians would treat m- me or any of my colleagues that was just very off-putting. Um, I did find out from like one of my friends who is Brazilian. Um, she's a fantastic person, by the way. Uh, is that it is actually not just with Americans or others. It can sometimes be with within other groups of Brazilians. Um, and there's a very sort of class system in Brazil where there is a difference. And she even had a Brazilian, a Brazilian couple, a Brazilian man treat her very, very badly. And she was also Brazilian, so she sport, speaks the entire language of Portuguese. And just because she was from a different part of Brazil, he treated her differently. So it was a very class, you know, a class system that uh, you kind of have to deal with. So th- they're just very, they're just very difficult. They're very, they it's a communication barrier is another thing. Um, and the thing is, they always expect you to p- speak Portuguese, which is like three countries, like four countries in the entire world, like speak Portuguese. Um, obviously, another generalization. I'm, I'm sure there's more than that. But like the two big ones, Brazil and Portugal. It's like those are your two big countries. But it's like, dude, like it's tough. But when I was a tour guide, they were just very loud on the bus. I was trying to do the tour and like they couldn't understand it. So they were just like yelling at each other. So that was always difficult. Um, Argentinians also very like classist system. Uh, a little bit difficult as well. So uh, just have to say, kind of tough. They're difficult. Maybe I'm difficult when I travel. But if you would like to know sort of the general arching countries that are a little bit difficult, Brazil has certainly was always been my my picadillo. But again, that's just me. Some people are Brazilian or love to deal with Brazilians. They're very, you know, and again, these are very big generalities. And it, I would definitely say it depends on the type of person you meet. Uh, but I have to say, in general, Brazilians were pretty tough for me. So I didn't want to leave you Americans out. So uh, most of us who listen to this pod are from the United States. So who are the best guests to deal with? I've actually done an entire podcast about this. And it is during the National Finals Rodeo, National Finals guests were my absolute favorite. National Finals Rodeo guests are so great. They're so polite. They're very respectful. They are very much have their shit together. They typically have lots of money, so that's always nice too. But just really, really respectful and nice and very understanding of certain things. I was like, oh, we don't have any more tickets for Brooks and Dunn and Reba McIntyre. Oh, it's okay. We'll just go do something else instead. And they're just really great people, just down, down to earth. Um, I definitely threw on the y'all a lot when I was, was there. Yes, I definitely changed how I, my personality around people. Um, if you were from the South, you better believe it that I was going to be saying y'all in a lot of sentences and they don't want you to do that because we have the sort of the system in terms of like, um, this five-star rating system that you have to speak a certain way with sort of decorum, which is like most of the time, but some people just like to sort of feel comfortable with you. And if you can speak in some of their dialect, again, don't be disrespectful 100%. But if someone's from like obviously the South, people say y'all. And I really just match it. I try to imagine like, where are y'all from? I never sort of went too crazy. Uh, but yeah, you just sort of feel that down home, sort of down home cooking, that sort of hospitality. And it just really sort of makes them comfortable to talk to you. So that's why I would do it. Not because I was trying to mimic them, but really just I wanted to make them feel comfortable coming to me with, you know, any question or problem they might have. But, you know, the South in general, really great people to deal with. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, So who are the most difficult Americans to deal with? So the thing is, 
apparently I was usually pretty cool with anybody from the States, but uh typically man. It's a tough one. I don't know. I got I have to say like people from like the eastern seaboard like uh like the DC sort of like area that was kind of tough. Midwesterners were kind of tough. <laughs> um cuz Midwesterners I have to say, Midwesterners, love you guys, but we're always confused about like the hotel stuff that was in the hotel. So like the amenities, the uh what do you call it? The resort fees always piss them off. The refrigerators always piss them off. Uh, a lot of frequent travelers who always did the, um, well, they had did this at this hotel. This doesn't make any sense. Um, it was always very difficult. So I have to say Midwesterners were maybe the toughest ones, but in general, um, I never really had trouble with a lot of, you know, Americans. Like I think people from Miami might've been a little bit tough, but I was able to deal with people from Miami and just match their energy because they're just like Las Vegas. But really, for the States, it did come down to a lot of very personal things. Like, you know, it's totally the person and not, not the, the general area, I have to say. So, um, yes, I did cry one time um, because it was a mistake that was made that I had to try to fix. And it wasn't even my fault. But I don't know where that person was from. So I can't single them out anymore. But anyways, I just wanted to sort of outline that little last bit just because I thought it'd be funny. Um, so hopefully... You know, you can let us know how you feel about if that's where you are from. But uh, yeah, what can you say? So anyways, uh, that was this week's Concierge Confidential. Uh, I will be coming back on, let's just say Thursday or Friday with Last Night in Vegas, where we'll be talking about Cathedral, which is now a new restaurant over at the Aria that I went to their grand opening. And hopefully you enjoy that pod as well. So that was this week's Concierge Confidential. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, remember to follow us on Concierge Confidential underscore LV on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Keys to Vegas and also our YouTube page, which is Concierge Confidential. So remember, if you go out in Las Vegas and you see something or enjoy it, awesome. Make sure, though, keep it confidential. Okay.